Well, happy Memorial Day weekend. I'm Pastor Steve, and I'm so glad that you made this worship service part of your weekend. Now, you know, in the old world, the BC world, before COVID-19 world, (laughs) this would have been a big weekend on so many levels. Memorial Day weekend is the unofficial start to summer where everybody makes a beeline to the cabin and worship attendance plummets and preachers feel like they're preaching to an empty crowd. Well, now I'm just preaching to a camera. So it's, you know, it's, it's actually a step in the right direction for me. But it's Memorial Day weekend is that weekend where we have lots of parties and celebrations in the BC world. It's also a weekend where tomorrow is Memorial Day. It's that day when we take time to remember soldiers who have died. Now, what's interesting as I was studying about Memorial Day a little bit is that Memorial Day really in the United States has its roots in the Civil War. That was a war when Americans were fighting against Americans, brothers literally fighting against brothers uh, over ideological differences and political power struggles to the point of killing each other. And so many soldiers died in that war that they they needed to honor them in a special way. And that evolved until finally in the in the 70s, there's this national holiday where we recognize and remember soldiers who have died in battle. And they died in battle believing that giving of their life was an act of love and service to their families and to their country. And so it's Memorial Day weekend. Well, this is a new world. <laughs> this is the DP world, the during pandemic world. And so much of what we know as Memorial Day is no longer here. We're not making the beeline to the cabin. We're not throwing the big barbecues in the backyard. And we're uncertain of how we should even be this weekend. But what I find fascinating is that some aspects of this weekend are still very, very true. I mean, of course, it's still Memorial Day. We're still going to remember soldiers who have died. And as I was thinking about, though, the the roots of the Civil War around Memorial Day, I was just reflecting on a nation deeply divided, about factions in a country, ideological differences. You know, in the BC world, our country was very divided, right? A lot of people, a lot of political rhetoric flying around, a lot of hatred between various lines. And during the early part of our pandemic, what I found interesting was how so much of that just quickly simmered down because there, it was like a wake-up call, right? The world is different. But now this week, as our governor has turned the dials just a little bit and we have this glimmer of hope that we can reopen Minnesota, reopen the United States, reopen the world. We're all excited that what that might look like. And, and rightly so. I mean, we all want to be able to hug our neighbors and our family and, and reconnect and worship again. We all want that, right? And yet, what I find so fascinating is that these tensions, these boundaries, these dividing lines are already surfacing, and sometimes even violently. And so the question that I have today, the question before us, I believe, in this 
text that we're looking at is how do we navigate these tensions? How do we navigate the tensions of, of parties that have strong differences with each other? And how do we navigate the tension of the uncertainty of this moment as we are in a pandemic and trying to reopen our state and our lives? What do we do? Well, you know, I think that the text that we have set before us today actually provides the answer to that question. The text is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that you've heard read already. Now, you're probably really familiar with portions of this chapter because if you've been to a wedding, it's a 90% chance that you heard this text, at least part of this text, read. It's often known as the love poem. But I want to show us today that this text is not a wedding poem. I mean, it's great for weddings because it's about love. But it was never intended for weddings. It's intended for the question we have set before us. So let me give a little bit of context for 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First, let's go back and remember that we are in this series, this Easter season series called Practicing Resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead to show us that there is power over death itself and invites us to walk in a new life, a resurrection life. And so we've been studying in the book of Acts as the first disciples of Jesus were practicing this resurrection life and what it looks like. And it started off really great as they were sharing everything together. But very quickly, the honeymoon came to an end and there started to be factions building in the church. And we just saw Last weekend, as Pastor Brandon so wonderfully showed us the story of Cornelius and how Peter was called to cross these boundaries and to actually break uh, Mosaic law and eat with a Roman centurion and how, uh, I mean, all heaven is breaking loose and it's a complete mess in the world. Well, in our text today, the reason we chose 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is because uh, it directly addresses these growing tensions in the church, but not in the book of Acts, but actually also in the book of Acts, because the apostle Paul was the one who was working his way through the Roman Empire and planting churches all across the Greek and Roman cultures. And he planted the church in this city called Corinth on one of his missionary journeys. And he stayed there for 18 months and built up this church. And then he left and then he went on another trip and he was across the sea in a city called Ephesus. And while he was there in Ephesus, he got word that things were going wild and coming off the rails in the church in Corinth that he had planted. And so he wrote this letter to the Corinthians to address some of these different issues. And one of the issues that the church in Corinth was having is that there were factions among them. Imagine that. And then they were also a, a really wild thing that they were having controversy over is spiritual gifts. You see in chapter 12, just before this chapter, um, some of them were saying, hey, you know, I have the gift of the spiritual gift of tongues, which makes me more important than you. And others were like, hey, I have the spiritual gift of prophecy. Like I can speak the truth and that makes me better than you. And others like, no, I have the spiritual gift of knowledge and that makes me better. And, and as they were sharing communion together, the rich people were bringing all their food and they, were, they felt that their wealth made them actually better than the poor people. And Paul is just looking at this, shaking his head. He's like, people, what are you doing? Have I not taught you better than this? 
He says, look, you are all part of the same body. You were all given gifts and each gift is important. And at the end of chapter 12, he says, let me show you a more excellent way. And then he dives into chapter 13. And so again, I, I believe that the words of this chapter speak directly to our question at hand today. As we are in this moment of pandemic and wondering how do we open up and the lines are being drawn once again and factions are forming, how do we navigate these waters? Well, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is the answer. But what does love look like? This is the part that you've probably familiar with. He says love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I mean, this is a picture of God's love. But the part that we don't usually pay attention to is verses 8 through 13. And now some of you who were around two summers ago, I actually preached on this section and, and totally geeked out, did a word nerd sermon on it. And, and I want to go there again, so forgive me. But I want to read this passage to you in English, but I want to use the structure of the original language because what I discovered that just blew my mind is that this is actually a beautifully constructed poem. And let me just read it to you and see what emerges for you. This is the Apostle Paul. Remember, he's speaking to people who are fighting with each other, who think that their knowledge and their prophecy and their tongues makes them so much better than other people. And, and he says this. He says, the love never fails or falls down. Whether but prophecies, they will be abolished. Whether tongues, they will stop themselves. Whether knowledge, it will be abolished. From part for we know. And from part we prophesy. But when might come maturity or the fulfillment of our purpose, the from part will be abolished. When I was infant, I was speaking as infant. I was thinking as infant. I was reasoning as infant. When I have become adult, I have abolished all things of the infant. We look for now through mirror in riddles or enigma. Then, but face to face. Now I from part. Then I will perceive just as also I was perceived. Now, now but stays or remains. Trust, hope, love, the three of these. Greater, but of these, the love. That's such a cool construct. But here's basically what he's saying. Look, guys, we don't know what we're doing. 
Each one of us has one little part, and we see the world from our little part. And our knowledge and our gifts are good, but they're only a part of the bigger puzzle. And eventually, we're going to grow up. And when we grow up, we'll see that there's so much more than just me. Because right now, the way, when I think that my gifts or my rights are, are, are what's most important, it's really all about me. But when we grow up, when we come to maturity, which is what that word complete means, we realize that what is most important is not me, but we. The fact that I am part of a whole. And what love does, here, here's the part that I just love so much. It says, when I was young and immature, I looked into a mirror. And what do you see when you look into a mirror? You only see yourself. But when I grow up, when I come to maturity, and love is what dominates my life, I actually perceive the other person. And I can see face to face. And everyone I see, I see them as a valuable child of God. Because he says, I, I perceive as I have been perceived. God looks at me and says, yes, you are beautiful and good and worthy. And when you look at somebody else, that's what you should see too. So Paul is basically saying to the church in Corinth, grow up. <laughs> it isn't about you. It's about all of us. And what does love look like? Love looks like what's best for the other, what's best for all. And so as we come to the conclusion of this, I want to get really, really practical for just a minute. Because one of the big questions that's on everyone's mind as we're turning the dials and opening up is, you know, there's some churches out there that are um, really, really wanting to open worship, and, and they're doing that. And hey, we all want to open worship, right? But you saw, maybe you saw on Facebook or you received a letter, but I just want to tell you where we're at as a church, because the answer to the question of how do we navigate these tensions, the answer is love. And what does love look like? Well, one of my favorite professors from Luther Seminary, uh, Dr. Gary Simpson, he told us one time, I just thought it was so beautiful. He said, love is like a stem cell. A stem cell, you know, when a stem cell is, is a cell you put into a body. And the, the amazing thing about a stem cell is that it becomes whatever it needs to become. So if you put it in one organ, it becomes that organ. If you put it in a different organ, it becomes that organ. And that's what love is like. When you insert love into a situation, love becomes whatever that situation needs for the good of that organ and for the good of the whole body. And so what does love look like right now in this moment at Easter Lutheran Church during a pandemic? Here's what love looks like. Um, in response to whether or not we're going to open up our worship, here's, our, here's what love looks like. First of all, we're going slow. <laughs> we have created and assembled a what we're calling a safe reopening team. And on this team, it is comprised of professional health care providers, a, an HR person from School District 196, 
uh, a professional emergency response coordinator, as well as core members of our staff who work with facilities and worship. This team is getting together, listening to the data, listening to what's going on among the most vulnerable people among us. That's the first thing. And secondly, our plans are this. Our decisions are based on what we believe to be what love looks like. That it is about the health and safety of our members and our entire community. And we will be following the guidelines of the CDC and the Minnesota Department of Health. You see, we are not guided by what is best for me as an individual, that it is my legal right to do whatever I want. While that might be legally true, it's not necessarily best. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says, All things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. And so we want to do what is best. We're going to move slow. We're going to try to find wisdom because that's what love looks like. Now, at a really, really practical level, sometimes what love looks like for you is simply putting on a mask before you enter into a public space. Hey, we don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know what next Memorial Day will look like. But here's one thing I do know. The love of God is faithful and true. You can trust in God's love. God is with you. God is for you. God is with us. God is with uh, and for us. And we will get through this together with God's love as our guide. Blessings and have a great Memorial Day weekend.